Hello, friends. You are listening to episode 101 of the Our Weekly Highlights podcast. Insert your joke about your favorite 101 class or lecture, but here we are. It's a new era with a new uh, series of episodes, and I'm very happy to be joined by my awesome co-host, Mike Thomas. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Eric. As you said, 101, I guess it's somewhat of a new era. We can feel like we're starting fresh on episode one. Yeah, yeah, all the feels, right? All the the newfound feels, and apparently you've got some newfound equipment we may be testing out next week as well. So that's another perk for our listeners to stay tuned. Yes, hopefully my audio quality will be orders of magnitude greater than it was. So well, everybody's going to have to listen in, obligated to listen in next week. Of course, teaser has been unleashed, and what else is unleashed? Another fantastic issue of our weekly. We are talking about issue for week 47, you know, end of year is approaching. So that that number 52 is drawn soon. But this week, our issue was curated by John Calder, another longtime member of our Art Weekly team. And as always, he had tremendous help from our Art Weekly team members and contributors like you around the world. So as usual, if you're new to the show, we do a little roundup of the highlights mentioned. We'll give some additional finds. And yes, we're going to have our first ever feedback segment at the end of the show. So stick around, folks. You'll like it. We've been there. You finally solved those last bugs in your code. The deadline is fast approaching for that report or maybe that shiny app deployment. You quickly save those scripts. You upload them. You commit them to get your Git repo, whatever have you. And yeah, you solved the problem. No more errors in your code, right? But you didn't really have time to help out future you and future collaborators with your code readability. No judgment here, I've definitely been there. Such as maybe having a function call where you have a lot of parameters and you've expanded that whole line of calls to over 200 columns and you gotta look at a little scroll bar to keep up with everything. That's just one example. Perhaps you have a mix of multiple function parameters in a single line or worse yet, Closing brackets that aren't on their own line. Okay, okay, I'm being quite opinionated here based on past experience. But it sure would be nice, especially if you're new to adhering to various style guides for your R programming, to interactively apply quick tidying up of your R code style. That's where a very new package released by Posit software engineer Lionel Henry aims to fit this bill with a package called Code Grip. And in its first dev release on GitHub, CodeGrip comes with both RStudio add-ins as well as Emacs commands. Hey, hey, respect to all the Emacs power users, especially those org mode ninjas, you know who you are, to reshape your function calls. I'm very much in the camp of the long format style, where you have every function parameter as a new line, and CodeGrip lets you easily break that wide call into a long one. Now, like I said, don't worry. It's a safe space here. I don't judge. If you do like that wide format call, you can go from long to wide the other way too. Again, all your preference. Now, the README of CodeGrip gives you a few recommendations for keyboard shortcuts. Again, another enhancement to your productivity flow to quickly move the cursor to the function parameters, even if you have nested ones. Maybe one of your parameters is a list or a vector of other things. You can quickly navigate around that. Now, as I said, this is still quite new. So Leonel shares a roadmap at the end of the readme on the GitHub repo for additional features. 
such as reshaping expressions inside those curly brackets, reactives and shiny say hello, and reshaping repeated function calls, which you might see in packages like DT or some of your dplyr pipelines. So very intriguing. And you may be wondering, wait, aren't there packages that help you style your code already? Well, yes, there are. Certainly there's a styler package amongst others. But what I'm intrigued about CodeGrip is it's kind of a way for you to see how this is applied by opting into it, but in an interactive way. I think that's a really neat way to learn how different styles of our function writing could work. So again, I think there's always a space for everything here. So I'm really intrigued by where code work goes and it's a uh, future development. So Mike, we're going to have, I'm going to get your opinion on here. Are you a long or wide function writer? Well, I think I'm thinking about, uh, if it's any indication, I'm, I'm thinking about submitting a pull request to, to code grip to only allow from conversion from wide to long. Uh, no, nobody needs to go from long to wide. Just kidding. We absolutely <laughs> do not, do not judge. And it's, it's, if you have a style guide that you're adhering to, by all means, um, but ease ease of code interpretation and, and grokking the code that you wrote or someone else wrote uh, is something that I've seen taken for granted too often, unfortunately. Uh, and not only does this apply to, to commenting your code or, or structuring your repository, but it also applies to styling your code. Um, and, and styling your code consistent, consistently uh, is an important aspect of, of any project and any team, uh, especially for a collaborative project uh, and avoiding technical debt in your organization, you know, but even just for future you as well, to be able to step back into the project quickly when a new issue or, or feature request arises down the road, take a look at the code that you wrote six months ago, a year ago, and, and grok it really quickly. Um, I highly recommend adopting a code style guide within your team. There's a whole entire Tidyverse style guide ebook, which we will link to in the show notes. Um, already linked to in the show notes for you, Eric, as well as other resources like Google's R style guide, which is just an adaptation of the, of the tidyverse style guide with some minor adjustments. I might even imagine that there are some folks out there who like me a few years ago have never even heard or thought about the concept of styling your code consistently. So this blog might be a great place to start. And, and this repository might be a great place to get you up and running quickly, especially considering the fact that there's a, just a nice add-in that you can use within the RStudio IDE. This is going to be maybe a hot take, but I, I think as good data scientists, a ton of our job is not just about writing code, but it's about thoughtfully designing all of the pieces of the solution that we're creating. And one of those pieces is the code that we write. Um, it's, a, it's a thing. Uh, it, it's heavy. It can be really hard to style your code consistently during the development process when you're just trying to get your fingers on the keyboard as fast as possible and trying to connect what's in your brain to uh, your script. But it requires you to stop and spend some time with each piece of code you write before moving on to the next piece of code if you are really doing this thoughtfully and correctly. But tools and packages, fortunately for us, like CodeGrip can be monumentally helpful in making the code styling process more efficient as well as keeping our styling consistent across scripts in our repository or even across um, different repositories that, that we have within our organization. So I absolutely can't wait to try it. I think it's a great complement to the other styling tools that we have 
in our ecosystem. I cannot claim to be an Emacs uh, aficionado or, or, or expert, so I will be using the add-in for now. Um, but if you can't wrap your head around exactly how it works just based upon us talking on a podcast audio, uh, the repository has a bunch of great information as well as GIFs, animated pictures, uh, which are, to me, in terms of documentation, are just you know chef's kiss. Can't get any better than that showing you exactly what the package can do. Yeah, well said. And one of the biggest challenges I've had is not only dealing with me personally, but when you get collaborators on a project, getting them to buy into a style guide early on can save you a lot of time in the future. But again, it's great to see CoGrip and the others in the ecosystem can help you rescue that maybe before it goes too far. But it, it's a discipline thing. Trust me, I know had a very big project a year or so ago where multiple collaborators jumped on and I wasn't on the pulse with the style guy right away. And yeah, reading that after, you know, various code reviews, I was like, yeah, I, I should have done that a little better, but Hey, better late than never. So really great package in this. And yeah, I love the idea of showing off this interactively. And by the way, Mike, there's a little side comment here, but there's always been a debate in the tech sector about how to pronounce, is it GIF or GIF? I just learned from one of the podcasts I listened to on the Linux community that it is GIF because the programmers said, choosy programmers choose GIF. There's a shout out for some of you that grew up when I did. <laughs> That's good to know because I said GIF up until literally today. And I was very resistant to adopt the, the, the soft G, uh, GIF. For whatever reason, but I feel like at this point I have just heard it way more than I've heard the hard G. So I'm I'm gonna convert. Today's the day. You know what? Yeah. If if we can't provide any other service on this podcast, we have put that debate to rest. So you can <laughs> thank us later. We'll tell you how to thank us later. <laughs> Moving right along. You know, while we're on the topic of being nice to future you and future collaborators. Now, one of the most productive techniques for assembling a set of related R functions and other processing is to bundle them into a new R package. We've had many highlights in the past that provide a really practical introduction to taking that next step in your dev journey, especially if you're new to that world. But it is easy, again, to speak from experience here, to fall into a few habits that can prolong your development time or debugging efforts such as that dreaded copy and pasting of a function or other processing code many, many times. Here to keep your R package development nice and dry is Indrajit Patil, a software engineer with the Syncra R consulting firm with a jam-packed presentation on how you can apply dry or DRY principles, however have you, which means don't repeat yourself, in your next R package. There is a bunch of great recommendations. So Mike, why don't you take us through some of the ones you read about in this highlight here? Absolutely. There is a wealth of knowledge within this slide deck. Um, I have immediate takeaways that I am going to literally use in my work today. The slide deck kicks off with a quote that says, copy and paste is a design error. Uh, it stopped me in my tracks, really spoke to me in my pre-data science days. I used to copy and paste so much. And nowadays, I think I, I audibly like fuss anytime that I have to copy and paste anything. Um, fortunately, 
I don't do that very often. So shout out to functional programming in R and, and shiny modules. Um, but for whatever reason, whenever I do find myself copying and pasting, it's a last resort for me. Um, it might sound silly, but I, just the way that I've wired myself up to this point and, and tried to ingrain DRY, dry principles, uh, in everything that I do. So for whatever reason, um, I had never thought about using child RMD documents, our markdown documents, in a package. I've used them many, many times in building a report, and that's one of the uh, pieces of advice that Indrajeet gives in this slide deck um, so that you can use the same markdown document across your readme or your vignette, or at least the same piece of markdown that you can use because maybe there are some things um, that are different that you might want to represent in a vignette or and you might not want to represent in your readme or vice versa but probably there is going to be some overlap some things that are important enough to document in multiple places and a child our markdown document is a fantastic way to do that so that when you do uh, sort of stitch your package together knit your package together you only have to make changes to this overlapping markdown in one place. And that's that's really the theme of this slide deck. I love the links to packages uh, that use these dry principles in their structure. I see the DM package, package referenced quite a bit in this slide deck. I think it makes sense because uh, Synchra is the author of that DM package. So it looks like uh, maybe Indrajeet had a hand in working on that DM package and applying a lot of these principles. Uh, I'm not sure, but it's a, a great reference. Um, if you haven't used DM before, even just to check out the, uh, the package down site that it has, it's, it's phenomenal um, in terms of the material that's available there for, for uh, documentation around that package. Repeating yourself you know, is not only inefficient in terms of the time it, it takes to, to make the same change in multiple places, but it's actually dangerous due to you know the increased likelihood that you'll forget to make a change in one of those many places required. Um, so modularizing your code, functional programming, and taking a, a dry mindset are, are key to any production grade code base. And there are fantastic examples across unit testing, including data in your package um, within this slide deck. So I, I don't know what other uh, what other, there's, there's a lot to pull out here, Eric. I don't know if there are any other pieces that you want to specifically highlight from this slide deck. Oh, there, yeah, there's a bunch, but the one that kind of got this uh, image of my mind of like, why the heck did I know about this sooner is a, a package that was new to me called Patrick to actually help parameterize the unit testing calls that you make with test that. So what do we mean by this? Well, imagine you're building a unit test. You've opted into that great practice, but you find yourself doing the same kind of either expect equal or expect, you know, whatever, you know, expectation you have. And you're doing it over and over again, but all your changes may be like one function parameter or one other result. Well, this Patrick package will let you do like a tibble of these different, you might say, invocations going into that expect and what you want out of it. So that you can have this very elegant little metadata frame or tibble that is called then to apply one of these expectation functions to. So again, a great way to save you both keystrokes, but also again, potential errors you might have and copy and pasting that over and over again. So, you know, next time I build 
a pretty sophisticated unit test suite, I'm going to be looking at this Patrick uh, package quite a bit. And then the other aha moment for me is that if you find yourself doing a lot of conditional messages, if there are errors or warnings that you want the user to use, and you find yourself, again, repeating that general syntax of it from time to time, and maybe varying like what function it comes from or what parameter triggered it, you can actually create a list in your package of these more utility kind of functions to call that message and only vary the things that you need to vary. So a nice hybrid of things like perhaps the glue package to help you stitch this together and everything like that. So that again, you're saving keystrokes, but you have one source of truth for how you're sending these messages, which to me is the real nugget here. Having one source of truth for a lot of these things so that the repeated calls can build from that instead of multiple source of truths that just happen to be the same thing. So that to me really, really um, enlightening, especially when you think you've solved a lot of these issues, but these are the issues that don't really manifest themselves in any adverse way other than costing you time. And if you can find some time savings so you can concentrate on the harder problems that you're trying to solve in your package, Opting into these dry principles, I think, is a big help. So, yeah, lots of lots of great tips here and definitely a must read, I think, if you're building any kind of sophisticated R package, whether it's for your organization or you're going to release that out to the to the CRAN ecosystem. Really nice job here. Absolutely. No, and I just had on, on the topic of, of conditions, especially, I just had sort of a, a I don't know, enlightenment <laughs> idea of... Um, if, especially if you're you have maybe a lot of functions, they use the example in the slide deck where you're expecting that X is positive, for example, and you have four or five different functions that that you need to meet that condition um, in the function. If instead of writing that within separately within each function, you sort of write that condition within its own function, you only have to write one test against that condition function, that logic instead of having to write four or five tests. For that same condition across uh, the four or five functions so, so it's actually going to make your code base a lot smaller um, and that's something i think that i'm going to use this afternoon very good hey if one thing we've learned over the hundred episodes we've done prior to this is that a lot of these highlights are things that you and i both say you know what i need to start doing that today or i do that for my next project it i i just love learning about this stuff so <laughs> love it love it Now, I will admit the first couple highlights were definitely a slightly more developer focused. Let's put it that way. Now, no episode of our weekly highlights is complete without bringing the A game of producing a visually pleasing product, all created within R and perhaps a little help from other open source utilities. And so one of the mainstays in our first 100 episodes is back again. And I was so excited about their contribution. I shouted him out a week early actually <laughs> but i'll be shouting out properly this time albert rap friend of the show and and frequent contributor to the highlights is back at it again with not just a blog post albert has released an early version of a fully online book on creating beautiful tables with one that gets a lot of attention in the community these days gt and oh by the way the book is produced with quarto there's another callback for you and I've been on the record that GT is a package that's authored by Richie Yon from, uh, from Posit, 
that has some of the best documentation and vignettes I have seen. So this book is surely not trying to replace those. But what I really like about what Albert's book is doing here is the approaches to introducing GT through realistic scenarios that you might find yourself doing, especially if you're new to this world. And in the case of Albert's book here, it's building a simple summary table of the Penguins data set from the ground up while introducing some nice logical and clean guidelines to creating tables so that we aren't overwhelmed right away. Again, we're taking a stepwise approach here. And then he gets to the fancy stuff. And what I mean by fancy, imagine being able with GT, able to put in some nice attractive spark lines, little widgets, icons, whatever have you, tapping into packages like GT Extras to really blend all this together. So again, a very nice case approach to building these tables is a fantastic read. And I dare say Albert has big plans for this book. I have an inkling what they might be, but I'll let the reader find out later on. But this is a great resource. So if you want to have a great introduction to GT, this is your spot to do it. What'd you think about this book, Mike? I don't know how many times we've said it, but Albert Rapid is at it again with some more very timely <laughs> R stats content and seen a lot of ggplot uh, data viz stuff from him. And, and this time we're doing tabular data viz instead, which is really cool. Um, the book starts out, like you said, Eric, with a really nice walkthrough of, of creating just a, a beautiful GT table from start to finish uh, with Palmer Penguins. That table includes grouped headers and grouped rows, uh, summary statistics underneath the data, formatting, introducing background color and, and text color. Really, really nice uh, sort of case study from start to finish. Then he employs the GT Extras package in that section that I think is literally called fancy stuff, <laughs> as you said. <laughs> um, one of the highlights of that section for me is, is actually the, the very beginning. Um, the GT Extras package continues to surprise me because I did not know there was this simple GT plot summary function that you can just throw at any data frame and it'll return a, a nice GT table uh, with summary statistics like your, your mean, median, standard deviation, uh, missingness statistics for each column in that table, and, and even histograms uh, for numeric columns in that table. So, And it's, it's all in this really beautiful format. Um, and like you said, in that, that fancy stuff section, it showcases how GT Extras brings in the ability to embed spark lines, images, uh, GG plots that you can create. You can put right in a row, um, <coughs> excuse me, in your table and more. Uh, the rest of the book walks through formatting, styling, and more case studies. Um, and I think, although it is still a work in progress, Overall, this book is, is a fantastic new resource that we have at our fingertips. So I'm all for the, the more the merrier in terms of what we have uh, around uh, GT and documentation and, and vignettes and case studies and examples. So I think this is going to be a, a really nice resource and excited to see how it grows. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of tables, this is a quick little uh, mini plug is that if you're thinking about entering posits uh, 2022 table contest, the deadline has been extended, so I believe it's been extended to December 6th or so. It'll be in the show notes regardless if I get that wrong, but that's definitely a great time to use GT or any of the other wealth of amazing table packages in R. 
it's December something. I know that. So uh, yeah, you have a few more days. Yeah, maybe after you eat all that turkey, if you're here in the States, you need something fun to do besides watch football, maybe make a table. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know what else we like to say? Another fantastic issue of our weekly. There's way more than what we talked about here. So as always, Mike and I take a little time to cause some cool little finds that may be in the rest of the issue. And actually, for me, one of the topics that came up during my recent appearance on Rachel Dempsey's Data Science Hangout last week was advice for those trying to get their foot in the door, so to speak, with a career in data science. Now, what I'm about to say, I can't guarantee that it will automatically land you that dream role, but one really neat way to potentially impress an organization in preparation for, say, an interview or other screening is to build, guess what, a custom Shiny app as an accessory for your cover letter or other introduction material. In a very neat tutorial authored by Javier Araka Dichku, hopefully I got that right, but a great little tutorial from start to finish on how he branded a simple little shiny app in the style of the organization that he was applying to. So again, really quick wins, complete with how he put that on his GitHub repo and got it deployed very seamlessly. So again, great little way to stand out. And as a big fan of shiny, I would never turn that opportunity down if I was new to this. <laughs> what did you find, Mike? So I found two, I guess, that I'll call out uh, in this week's highlights. One, it's not a tool that I am familiar with, but I'm thinking that maybe some others out there in the, in the data viz space would be interested. There is a brand new R package, uh, and I believe the package itself is just called Figma, and it is for interacting with the Figma API, which I think Figma is one of sort of the most popular graphic design data illustrator applications out there, if I'm not mistaken. So I was thinking of, you know, some of my, my folks in the online data science community, like Tanya Shapiro or, or folks like that who do a lot of data viz work at the intersection of R and other tools might be interested in this brand new Figma R package. I, I think the data that you get out of it from this API uh, for any particular document that you have up in Figma really gives you a wealth of information about each shape on the page, the type of shape, the, the location of that shape. Um, so could be interesting uh, to some folks out there, maybe, maybe not worth, worth checking out. And then the other one is a repository on GitHub called World Cup 2022, which is some modeling and simulation of the 2022 FIFA World Cup, which is in full swing as we speak. And uh, the author of this repository has Brazil as the most likely to take home the World Cup. So it'll be interesting to see how the cup plays out compared to the modeling and simulation uh, that was, was done in this repository. So, so great work here. Yeah, a lot of eyes are on that, that tournament right now. And I think there have been some major upsets even already. So it's going to be an interesting ride to get there. And we'll see if Brazil is going to take it home as these simulations show. But as a fan of the hockey playoffs, I know that predictions can go out the window quite quickly. <laughs> That's the way the sports are for you. But, but fantastic read there. Great, great finds, Mike. And before we uh, close up shop here, we're going to bring a brand new segment to the show, which was kind of teased last week. We got ourselves some feedback, everybody. And the feedback is coming as way of a podcast boost. 
And this boost comes from, hopefully I'm saying this right, Rasta Calavera via the Fountain podcast app, which is one of the new podcast apps you could download on your phone or computer, whatever have you. They sent us 99 sats. Oh, yeah. With the message, first time listener, not really an R user, but I enjoyed the conversation. Well, there you go. Maybe maybe listening to this podcast will convince you to use R. <laughs> but yes, um, if you're interested in sending your support for the show, all you have to do is get yourself a new podcast app at newpodcastapps.com. And then each of these apps going to have a quick and easy way for you to hit a little boost button to give us a little positive encouragement. Maybe you like a particular highlight or find that we shout out, you know, any feedback is welcome. So thank you again, Rasta Calavera for that kind boost. And also thanks to all of you for listening around the world. Um, we've had a great reception to episode 100 last week, and certainly Mike and I are going to continue this train forward as long as it's on the rails here, so to speak. And you might be wondering, well, where can you find us? Well, first about the R Weekly project itself, if you'd like to get involved, it's easy enough. Just go to rweekly.org. Feel free to send us a poll request of a great find that you have, either a blog post, new package, great video tutorial, whatever have you. Um, we're always happy to put that into the upcoming issue and everything's written in Markdown. Very easy to contribute for all of us. And also, if you want to find the Wiki project on, on social media, we now have a brand new Mastodon account. That is at rweekly at fostodon.org. And also feel free to give that a follow if you want to get to the latest updates of the R Weekly project. Maybe we'll put a little shout out for this issue coming out. Um, we're still working out the kinks of the automation piece here. But also if you want to find me, I am both on Twitter, albeit who knows how, how long these days with at the Rcast, but I'm also on Mastodon with at our podcast at podcastindex.social. So feel free to give me a shout there if you'd like to get in touch. And Mike, where can people find you? As of this morning, you can find me at Mike Thomas at fostodon.org. So I'm pretty excited about that. I have uh, zero followers and I am following zero people, but I am excited to to grow on there. So so I guess that's that's the new spot. I dare say in less than 24 hours, you're going to get some followers there. Well, uh, <laughs> hashtag just saying. <laughs> we'll see. Well, we'll see. But yeah, welcome to the Fediverse, Mike. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's a it's an exciting time. We're going to see a lot of the art community be a part of this, and our weekly is going to be there along the way. And so if you ever want to hear the back catalog of our recent episodes, again, just head to rweekly.org. We got the podcast link right at the top, top of the page. And again, please give us a follow and send us your shout outs if you like on those social media accounts. But with that, we're going to close up episode 101 of our weekly highlights, and we will be back with another edition next week. <laughs>